We have a picture from 1893. People having a party. Check out, you got, check out this guy right here. <laughs> they say that if you sit like that, you can't make your shoulders and feet go underwater. Because <laughs> the salt content makes you that buoyant. You don't really see that party. It used to be a place where people would just go and have a great time. They had showers afterwards. You'd get out of the water and you'd rinse off. And they had, uh, I think they used to have like uh, amusement type things there. Just an amazing thing. But I don't know about you, but before, I, we've been out here almost 10 years now, my wife and I. And uh, so we had just moved here. And so we'd heard all the rumors of the Great Salt Lake. I mean, after all, it is called the Great Salt Lake, right? So it's got to be great. Um, and so we decided we would go see what, it, what, what, what the Great Salt Lake is like. And so we went out there. Her, Susie's mom was visiting us. And uh, so we drove out and we went to where the beach was. But it did not look like what Lad was at. See, it was after a few years of uh, the drought, if you remember, about nine years ago. We got there, and the beach was pretty much like cement. It was this hard, crusty stuff, and so we started to walk out. We got probably about a half a mile out, still could not see water. It stunk. It was super hot. We all looked at each other and we said, well, that's our trip to the Great Salt Lake. Let's go. We turned around and we left. A couple years later, uh, for Easter, we decided we were going to shoot this music video. Kyle, who just played in the band, I think Mo, who played in the band too, they were in this video. You guys remember this. We we set up, uh, we we rented the salt here and we shot inside and then we went outside and we set up because, again, the water was out there. You could see the water. You could see the, the, the beach line. But uh, we set up on the dry part, uh, and we set up our, all of our instruments, and they videotaped it. And it was a really fun experience. But I noticed something as I was out there. I'm standing there and faking like I'm singing because that's what you do when you shoot a music video. And I'm pretending to be singing. So I'm kind of in this one little spot. And as I'm standing there longer, it starts to get wet kind of. And the longer I stand there, it starts to get wetter and wetter, and a little pool forms. And it starts to get really stinky, and I swear to you, it feels, because I look down, and there's this yellow water. It's like I'm standing in a pile of pee, okay? <laughs> just stinky. Anyway, we left that day. It was a fun day, but we left. It, the stuff got all over. I went home. It, I just stunk. I couldn't wait to shower and get clean. It was just, the whole thing, it just was not a very good experience. And I don't know, how many of you guys are transplants to Utah? How many of you have done a similar pilgrimage to the Great Salt Lake to receive great disappointment? <laughs> Probably a lot of you guys, I mean, about half of you raised your hand. You may have, maybe you've had that same disappointment you were born here. Sorry, I don't mean to be exclusive, but uh, we can all be equally disappointed by the Great Salt Lake. But, you know, um, you saw a swamp video at the beginning if you're here, and then you saw this Great Salt Lake. And we, I know that, that, that the Salt Lake is not a swamp, or else they would have called it the Great salt swamp, but what, you know what a swamp and, and, the, and the salt lake have in common? No outlet. Stagnant water. And as a result of, of the fact that there's no outlet for them, they're generally pretty gross. You saw Bear Gorelsky picking up that stuff. It looks like something you'd get out of your toilet. And uh, he said it, sound, it smelled like it too. It's, it's huge algae and bacteria count, very high levels, and, and it, they're not, they're just even, he's in the swamp in that first video, and he's trying to get out of it, because it's not, a, it doesn't support human life. You can't drink that stuff. It's really bad for you. 
Last Sunday, if you were here, you uh, heard us talking about wells, and uh, we spent, uh, we're in a series here called H2O, where we're looking at occurrences of water in the Bible, and we're examining what that means, what are the spiritual implications for, the, uh, for water in, in our lives. Uh, and and uh, at the end, we're going to share a little bit, uh, Lad's going to share a little bit about uh, th- 3 for 5 and what happened last week. We're really excited about some cool stuff that happened. But uh, this week, we're looking at streams or springs or rivers, whatever, kind of clumping those all together. And um, just kind of looking at the significance that they have uh, spiritually in our lives. And um, it, it's really, you know, occurrences of streams or springs, rivers, there are just tons of them in the Bible. You just do a search uh, in your concordance, and you literally you get hundreds. Some of them are, you know, uh, actual literal bodies of water. Some are figurative or metaphoric uses that, that occur. But in our time here today, I want to look at a couple passages. You see, because that talk about the springs and why we showed that stuff up front. Because what you need to understand is that a spring and a swamp or the Great Salt Lake are completely, probably polar opposites. Because streams are essential to providing life for humans. Without streams, we'd be in a bad way. Provide a source of fresh water for us. We're going to look at two passages, like I said. The first one is John chapter 4, uh, verse 14. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 4 through 14. It's kind, of a long, um, it's kind of a long passage, but I'm going to read the whole thing. And, uh, you know, if you have your Bibles, pull your Bibles out. If you have your smartphone and you want to read your Bible on there. Another thing, if you, uh, if, if you want to, you can go on YouTube or YouVersion, the Bible. You can download that and um, you can follow along with the notes right on, on your uh, smartphone if you want to do that. But anyway, pull your, pull your whatever you have or you can look at the screens if you have none of those. And I'm going to read John 4, verses 4 through 14. Now he had to go through Samaria. This is Jesus. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as also as did also his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, referring to the well. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, very interesting encounter with Jesus, and there's a lot of things you could talk about him. Even, even the encounter between him and the Samaritan woman is very interesting, but when I'm, we don't have time to get into that today. What I want to look at is what happened. He sits down. He says, can you get me a drink? She says, why are you talking to me? And he said, if you knew who I was, you'd have actually asked me for it. And, and she says, well, how are you going to do that? You don't even have a bucket. How am I supposed to get you the water? And he says, see, I'm, I'm actually talking about something else. He kind of changes the page on her. I want to share with you today two things that happen 
when you drink from this living water. The first, first thing is this, that drinking results in a, a spring. And I, I just want to be clear on this. So what Jesus is saying is, he, he, again, he, this woman is thinking he's talking about the literal water. And he's actually talking about sp- something spiritual, Right? And he's saying drink, simply what he's, the metaphor he's drawing is if you drink, it simply means to believe. If you believe in me, then you'll never thirst again. And what will happen, he says, a well will spring up from inside of you. You know what, interesting, so rivers and streams and and springs are all interesting because they flow, they have outlets, they go places. But springs are interesting because, what do you know about a spring? It comes from the earth. A river, you just see it, springs well up from inside. Now, this is what Jesus offers to the woman. He says, if you drink, if you believe me, if you believe in my teachings, a spring of living water will come from within you. It's really interesting to me. My, uh, our family, a couple weeks ago, uh, we went to Spanish Fort, uh, the Spanish Fort Canyon. You take this, like, it's about, what is it, two and a half miles, Suze? Two and a half mile hike. You take our family down. You get up to the top and there's a waterfall. And then there's hot, hot, they call them the hot pots, where these hot springs feed right into the river. And people have taken rocks and sort of made hot tubs. And the, as you get closer to the waterfalls, they get hotter. Like we went in the one, I was like, I couldn't, it was so hot, I couldn't even stand in it, you know? But I found one, it was okay. I reclined leisurely in the hot tub. Um, uh, why did I tell you that? Oh, springs. Yeah, springs, thanks. Here, do you want to do this for me? You just. Um, <laughs> yeah, springs come from, they come from underneath the ground. And this is what Jesus offers is an opportunity to have springs welling up from within us. You know, he says drinking again, referring to believing, but here's what I want to share with you. You know, you just let's get the spiritual out of the way for a second. Let's just look at the, the, the physical stuff. What happens when you drink water? Well, a lot of things happen, but your body chemistry changes, Right? When you drink water, the chemistry inside of you changes. The more water you drink, it cleanses the toxins out of you, right? It kind of purifies your system. It rehydrates your body. And if you're dehydrated, it can cause dizziness, weakness, fainting, um, headaches. After I, you know, water is more important for you than, than food. I don't know if you know that. After about three days with no water, no hydration, you'll die. You can go weeks without food. It, you know, it also, it, it, ca- it soothes problems that you have. Now, let's, let's translate that into the spiritual here. So if drinking this living water, if drinking natural water, it changes your body chemistry, changes what you are inside, then the spiritual water that Jesus is talking about does the same thing. See, what he's saying is, if you drink this water, you're going to have a spring, and that spring is going to be a transformed inside that's going to provide life, living water. Um, but, but two things can happen here. Two, two things can happen. One, it can produce a good spring or a bad spring. First, I want to look at the good spring. And, and there's a passage in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. It says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. See, what Paul, in writing this, is saying is, if you want to create a good spring inside of you, if you want the spring to be good stuff, then you have to put good stuff in. Right? If it's lovely, if it's admirable, it's good. And this is what Jesus is saying to the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. See, you want this water, but I'm telling you that the water you really need is a spiritual water. Because when you drink the spiritual water, when you believe, when you take the act of believing in what I'm teaching you, what's inside of you changes. Your spiritual body chemistry changes because you believe different things. A second thing that can happen, though, is this. It can produce a bad spring. See, when I believe what is true, when I believe the good stuff, and I hydrate my body with that, the spring that I produce is a good spring. When I put bad stuff in, then it's going to produce a bad spring. Thessalonians, Second uh, Thessalonians, chapter two says this. This is referring to uh, the end times and the Antichrist coming and some of that kind of stuff. But he says this: This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Again, Jesus saying, here's what the problem is. I'm offering the truth, but many of you refuse to receive that truth and believe something else instead. You know, in, uh, in Exodus, I think it's chapter 15, the Israelites have been wandering across the desert and they go for like, it's about three days they wander. They don't have any water. And what they, they come across a stream and guess what? The stream's bitter. It's a polluted stream and they can't drink it. Because if they drink it, it's going to have the wrong effect, the opposite effect. It's like being in the ocean with all this water and needing something to drink. You can't drink the stuff. It dehydrates you. See, what happens is when we believe the truth, the spring that's created inside of us is a good spring. But when we don't believe the truth or when we believe stuff that's not true, we create a bad spring. And it can be just believing flat-out lies about who God is. It could be believing lies about yourself. You know, you think, oh man, God could never forgive me for that sin. And then since that, I believe that, what's the point in even caring? I can't do this. God doesn't, so many, it it just continues down a bad path. And the spring, what I believe in my head, changes how I act. The spring, what comes from inside is bad. It's almost like this. With, you, you have two sources. You have this, which are for sale today, by the way. Profits go to eight. Anyway. Fresh water, hydrating, good for you. Or this. Anyone want a swig of this stuff? It's just some dirt. See, what happens is when you believe the truth, your body's replenished with what it needs. But a lot of us drink this stuff instead. And my wife, she, always, she kind of gives me grief over this. I am a, I would say a voracious Pepsi drinker would be a good way of describing it. And she's always like, Mike, 
carbonation is bad. It makes your bones soft. And she has this whole list. And I actually don't remember because I think I've stopped listening because I already know, you know. Uh, But what happens is when I'm putting Pepsi in my body, it's not the same as putting water in my body. And what it's doing is changing my body chemistry, all the sugar and all the the stuff. It's not good for me. I'm still going to do it, but it's not good for me. Let me ask you guys this. The spring that's being created in you comes from everything that you surround yourself in. What are you guys watching on TV? What are you looking at on the internet? What kind of books are you reading? See, because what you put in is what spring is created, and eventually that's what's going to come out. Right? Who are you surrounding yourself with? People who are taking you on godly paths or people who are taking you away from God? That's the spring you're creating inside. You want to know a good gauge of the kind of spring you're creating inside or a good way to figure out what that is? What are you pursuing? Where does your day take you? You know, part of the problem is we believe, we don't always believe the truth. We sometimes believe, we we tend to do this. We tend to believe what we feel. Can anyone relate to that? I believe what I feel. And the way to, to hydrate your spiritual body is to bathe yourself in truth. See, if you're not spending time with Jesus, if you're not spending time reading his word, getting truth into your life, if you're not spending time in prayer, hearing from him, you're not getting hydrated with good stuff. So often you'll do something, you'll sin, for instance, and you'll ask God for forgiveness, and you don't feel it, right? Have you ever experienced that? I prayed, I said, forgive me, and I don't feel it. Anyone ever feel that? And so what do I believe? I believe I'm not forgiven. And so I walk around with my head in the sand acting unforgiven, acting powerless, acting like Jesus doesn't love me or care about me. And the truth is this. The very second I pray for forgiveness, God's word tells me, you are forgiven. See, I need to bathe my thinking in truth, not feelings. Because when we believe lies, we create a spring that's toxic. The second thing that happens is this. Drinking results in a stream or a river, you could say. I want to look at a passage in John chapter 7. Oh, you know what? Before I do that, I want to... I want to let's look at this woman at the well first with, this, with, with the spring. Very interesting encounter Jesus has with her, and I'm not going to read it. You can read it. It's John chapter 4. If you want to read the rest of this, I encourage you to. Write this down and read it later. But here's what happens. So after they have this encounter about the water, he says, Jesus turns to the woman. He says, hey, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go get your husband? Bring him back here. And she says, well, I don't, I don't have a husband. He goes, right, I know. You've actually had five, and the guy you're living with right now is not your husband. And she's like, how do you know this stuff? And the scripture indicates, because she says later, he told me everything about my life. The scripture indicates that Jesus went into great detail about things that no one would probably know about this woman. But he just kind of says, he he tells her her whole life. She's amazed. But what was the lie that she bought into? 
Well, it could be a bunch of things, but she, she apparently felt like some sort of relationship or a man was what she needed to complete her life. She believed stuff that wasn't true. And it caused a course of action for her life. See, this is what we do. We trade truth for stuff that we, feel, we either feel or stuff that, that seems to soothe or stuff we desire. And then the spring is toxic. But the, let's move on to the second. The second thing is this. When you, when you drink, it results in a, a stream. Look at John chapter 7 here, just a few chapters later in the book of John, two verses, uh, verse 37 and 38. It says this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So the first thing he tells the Samaritan woman at the well, if you drink the living water, your insides change and a spring is created in you. The second thing he says, if you drink the living water, those springs will produce a stream. Stuff comes out. This is a very interesting passage because what's happening is Jesus is at the the festival of shelters or tabernacles, and it's the last day, and it's the big day. And if you, I, basically, what happened in the in the uh, history of Israel, they would celebrate these events, and and this particular festival was the celebration of their wandering. What they would do is historically they would leave their houses and they would build these uh, shelters, and they would live in these shelters for a while. And then uh, during this during this festival, and it was, this festival was a celebration of of that time when they had to live in sh- in, in temporary shelters, and. So So in this festival, part of the celebration was about God providing water for them because they had to go without. And so they would have this ritual where these, the the, uh, high religious leaders would take the water and they'd scoop it out and they'd they'd kind of parade it around town and they they would go uh, to the altar and they would pour the the water on the altar as a symbol that God provided. But on the last day, they did something different. They would get to the altar and they would pour, but nothing would come out. They would have no, no water. And the people of Israel would be silent in remembering the days that they, they, they had to fight for their survival because they had no water. Fear that God wasn't going to provide. And they would sit silent. Well, it's right at that moment, in the silence, Jesus stands up and give, delivers this verse. Again, they're thinking physical water and Jesus is going, no, no, no. I think you're off base here. See, the point is, this is all about spiritual stuff. And he stands up and he says, if you believe in me, if you drink, you will have a stream come out of you. You know, one of the travesties, the great travesties of the Christian faith is that it's thought of in our culture far too often as self-serving. It's all about what we get out of it. And I want to say this next thing. I want you to just, just hear me carefully because I, I don't want to, this is not a statement of judgment because I've done this and I, it, it's actually probably the first step. But you hear people t- give, give their testimony and often what they'll say is, well, I knew something was missing in my life, right? Right? I've said that. That's true. But where you have to be careful is, though Jesus Christ came to provide the things that are missing in our life, he didn't want it to stop with just us. You see, that doesn't produce a stream. If it's all about me being forgiven, me being healed, 
my prayers being heard, my needs being met, I'm not producing a stream. You know what I'm actually becoming like? A swamp. I kind of get stinky. I'm not producing life. See, and what has to happen for us, what Jesus is saying here, if you drink, not only will you have a spring that changes your insides, but it will produce something that changes others. I was reading Genesis this week, and the first three chapters of Genesis are the creation of the world. And I'd heard this before. Uh, people explain, you know, so on day one he creates, and then he gets done, and he says what? It was good. And then on day two he creates, he gets done, and he says what? It was good. And day three and four and five and six, seven, he creates man, the whole deal. He takes day seven, he rests. And then you get to this passage where he says, and, and, and he looked at man, and he said, well, it's not good. Well, he didn't, and, you know, people go, went a lot of ways with that. But what... As I was reading this, what was very interesting to me was this. It wasn't about man that wasn't good. What, what was not good was that man was alone. And it even says in there that the, the animals and all the, all the stuff that he had, it, couldn't, it, it didn't meet his needs. And, he, he, you know. and so he creates someone else and they reproduce, right? Why do I tell you that? Well, I tell you that because this, it's in the very creation of man in our soul. We need to understand that we are relational beings. And if all we're concerned about is what we consume and what we benefit from, we are the toxic swamp, the salt lake that stinks and doesn't provide life. From the very beginning of mankind, God is real clear about that. I want to finish the story of the woman at the well. Because, so Jesus tells, all this, uh, tells her all the story of her life. Guess what happens next? You guys know? She leaves her water bottle at the uh, well. And she runs back into town to tell everyone. And she, what did she tell people? Come and meet the man that told me everything. Immediately, she is changed inside and is wanting to reproduce herself. And the people, it says this, the people came streaming to the village to see him. Talk about the gift of evangelism. Jesus has this encounter with her, tells her all... She drinks his water, spiritually speaking. She runs to the town and says, you know what? This isn't just about me. I got to tell my whole village. People need to hear this message. And they come streaming back to see Jesus. That is a picture of streams of living water coming out of someone because she was a changed person. I'm going to share with you just a couple things, and you may be able to come up with more. You may be able to, you know, come up with more stuff, but I started thinking about this. Why, why is it that... Maybe you should ask yourself this question. Let me put it this way. I think it would be really helpful for you to ask yourself this question. Am I producing a stream, and if not, why? 
And I started thinking about that, and I realized, well, there's a couple things. And I think if you're at all challenged by this message and you want to understand what it means to become a stream and have the spring, if, spring from inside of you, I think you should write these things down and look at them this week. The first thing is this. If you're not producing a stream, it could be this, that you're not drinking regularly. Right? If I'm going to go, you know, on a trek across America... This isn't gonna do, it's not going to cut it for me, right? And if we are not in God's word around people who are driving us deeper to uh, being more like the representation of Christ we're supposed to be, if we're, if, if we're not regularly drinking from that well, from that stream, that spring, we're not going to produce because we dry up. The second thing is this. So ask yourself this. Are you, are you drinking regularly? The second thing is this. I'm keeping it all for me. That's the stinky, swamp, toxic thing. Ask yourself this question. And I want you to be really honest with yourself. Are you producing any spiritual benefits for others? Are you reproducing spirituality in others? And be honest. If you go, yeah, yeah, I am. Write a name down there. Don't just say yes and shake your head. If you're producing something, write down a name. And if you're not, maybe you should write down a name of someone you have an opportunity to influence. Third thing you should do is this. Many of us, I, we, I love camping. Our whole family, we love camping. And one of the things, uh, when I fly fish, um, in Michigan, we, we have this place, and it's, it's uh, way back in the woods. And, but behind, right behind us, there's this stream, and you can hear it all night long. It's just beautiful. How, you, you know, the beauty of the stream, you just lay down at night. You hear the stream, and you just, it's soothing. Actually, they make CDs of that. And never really understood that fully, but um, it's just a soothing thing. But here's the problem. You may not be producing a stream because you're just enjoying the sound of the stream rather than drinking from it. You know, I'll check it out. Oh, that sounds good. Maybe I'll try that. Maybe I won't. No, you can't live that way and produce a stream. You have to drink from it. The fourth thing is this. Maybe you've never drunk from the, had a drink from the stream. Maybe never. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will not produce spiritual uh, followers of Jesus. You just can't. And so if you're here today and that's you, I challenge you to take that first step of saying, I believe. And if, I'd love to talk with you afterwards, help you through that process. The last thing is this. Uh, you could say, I am producing a stream, but it's not life-giving. Ask yourself, am I, is the stuff I'm reproducing life-giving or is it toxic? Because if you find out that what you're reproducing is toxic, you should probably go back and check what's going in in the first place or what's not going in, meaning God's word. The last thing I want to do this morning is this, and I was going to read, uh, I'm going to probably read a little bit of this, but uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a long passage. Write this down, Matthew 25, uh, uh, verses 14 through 30. And Dave did this with us on Thursday in our, in our, um, our staff meeting. It was, man, it was so good. It was so good. Um, in this passage, I'm just going to talk through the passage because it's, it's a very long passage. 
In a nutshell, what happens though is this, this uh, master goes to his, three of his servants and he says, hey, I'm going on a long trip. And um, so I'm going to go on this trip and, and, and uh, I'm going to entrust you with my stuff. Okay, I don't know when I'm going to be back. But I'm going to entrust you with my stuff. And so one guy, he's, he gives him five bags of gold. And one guy, he gives two bags of gold. And one guy, he gives one bag of gold. And the interesting thing, he gives them that. And he said, based on their abilities. Okay? So he gives them this gold. He says, go. Um, take, take this money and I, I give it to you according to your, your ability. And I want you to go and I want you to, to use this money. Invest it. And so the guy with five goes and it says he immediately... Immediately, he put his money, that gold, to work. And he gained five more. The guy with two bags of gold did the same thing. He took his two bags and he invested it and he earned two bags. The third guy with only one bag of gold, he takes his gold and he buries it. Just hides it. And uh, so the master comes back. And he said, eventually he calls those three servants and he says, hey guys, I want you to account for the money I gave you. All right? So the guy with five uh, comes up and he says, okay, um, I, I, I had five and I gained five more. And the master is really pleased. And he says, well done. I love how he says this. Well done. You've been well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You've done great. Come share this. The guy with two comes and back. Here's the guy gained two, and he says the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share my happiness. The guy with one comes back, and he says, well, hey, um, well, I, I knew that. And he starts making all his excuses. Just excuse, excuse, excuse. He says, so I just, I just have the one. The master gets really angry. He takes the money away from him, and he gives it to the guy with the, with, that has ten now. And he says... Depart from me. You're, you're evil. You're wicked. You're lazy. Here's what I want to ask you guys. And if you have a pen or something you can write on, I, I really want to ask you to, to write this down. See, each of us, every single person here, every single person here has abilities. Some of us may be five bags of gold worth of abilities. Some may be two. Some may be one. But we all have abilities. I want you to take a second and think of the ways that God has given you opportunities to produce spiritual good in your life. Are you a parent? Do you have leadership influence at work or with your peers? Are you a musician? Do you have lots of money? What I want you to do, I want you to actually identify some things. Take a minute. You don't have to do them all right now, but today, write down some areas that God has gifted you and given you bags of gold and said, go, put this money to work. Then after you write it down, I want to challenge you to do this. Look at those areas in your life and go, ask yourself this question. Am I taking what I've been given and immediately putting it to work for it to multiply? 
And I just want to tell you this. I did this this week, and I, I made a list. And my list wasn't so cool. Because <laughs> I had stuff that I realized, man, I, I have been given stuff, and I'm doing nothing with it. I'm not producing streams. And I had some stuff I was real proud of. I actually am doing some, I'm re- this is, thank you, God, that I'm able to do this. I challenge you to do the same thing. And actually, as we close out here, I'm going to have the band. You guys can come forward. We are also going to take our offering at this time. And so I'm going to ask the greeters, you guys can come forward. But just in our closing moments, look at what you've been giving and ask yourself those questions. Are you producing streams? Is what you're taking in producing the spring that's going to produce good stuff? Or are you drinking from the dirty water bottle? And what I want to challenge you with this morning is, if you're not, if you're not seeking God, if you're not in his word, if you're not hearing from him, if you're not receiving his truth, you need to confess that to God and move forward. If you're filling your heart with stuff that's going to tell you lies, if you're believing things that aren't true, confess that to God and ask him to help change your thinking, change the spring. We pray with me? Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful that you, you uh, offered your life. You came and you lived among us and you... You told truth. You offered us exactly what we need in order to become everything you desire for us to be. And you've asked us to take that and not hoard it, not become, not become swamps and not become like the salt lake that doesn't outlet, it just keeps it all in for ourselves. You've asked us to become streams. And the Lord Jesus, I pray that every single person in here this morning would understand the value of knowing what it means in your economy to take the gold you've given us and to produce more spiritual good from that. May your blessings be on us as we pursue you. Help us love you more and be more like you. We ask this in your name. Amen.